This might go without saying, but a spoiler warning to anyone who hasn't seen Rise of the Planet of the Apes nor any of the previous Planet of the Apes films. We will be spoiling the plots and ending of every Apes movie from the 1968 original up to this 2011 film. Enjoy. Do you take this woman to watch movies? And do you take this man to talk about them? I now pronounce you a podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Wife Watches. I'm your host, Jason, and with me as always, picking out dockers from the gap for her hyper-intelligent primate, it's my wife, Courtney. Hello, that's me, if anything ever described me. There she is. That's it. What size? I love sensible shoes. Uh, loafers, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can't really, you know, the, the knots. They're for the apes. Yes. Are they aliens? I don't know. Huh, okay. Tells me almost everything I need to know about this movie. What movie are we watching today? Uh, Planet of the Apes. The Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? Rise of the Planet of Rise the Apes. Rise of... Okay, just take that out. So you not knowing really even the name of the movie we're watching. <laughs> I think answers my next question, but what do you know about the Planet of the Apes? I know zero things about the Planet of the Apes. Zero, absolutely zero. Really? Yeah. Have you, but you've heard of them before. I think I've told you this story before. I know I have. Here's what I know about Planet of the Apes. When I was probably eight, my brothers were watching Planet of the Apes. It was a Sunday. They were watching it in the common room. I don't know why I said common room. I was just about to ask <laughs> if that was a thing where no, your family, okay. It was the family room and like my mom's house, <laughs> the family room and the kitchen are attached. You live in a dorm? <laughs> That's really weird. And I was like, they were watching like, so they got done with the movie or something and they were watching like a behind the scenes, some sort of behind the scenes thing. Yeah. And I picked up that they were using plaster and they would like put a white paste, mix it with water and they would like use, or so I thought they would like use it to make the masks and the costuming. So I was like, hmm, that looks easy enough. So I asked my mom for some flour and some water, and she was like, why do you need that? I was like, because I want to make a plaster. She's like, a plaster? And I had to explain the whole thing. And then she did not give me as much flour and water as I had hoped. That's what I thought they were, were doing. You thought you were making an entire cast <laughs> that you were going to put in your head and it yes, would Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what I was going to do with it. Yeah, so that's what I know about Planet of the Apes. That's okay. the only thing I've ever seen. Were you going to make a monkey mask? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I was going to do. That's my only reference to this franchise. Well, you know what? You're in luck because I have seen all of the Planet of the Apes. Good. I wouldn't say I'm like a mega fan in any way, and I actually wonder if anyone really is. I bet there are people. It's their favorite movie. Whoa, there's there, there honestly can't be like <laughs> there I mean, probably are, like I understand with Star Wars, Star Trek, things like that because this is all about the same ish decade. Yeah, there's no way. I wanted to run down what how this franchise came to be because we're not starting you off at the beginning of this franchise. Why are you starting me off with this? Uh, is it the second one? This is technically the seventh movie that's 
of the Planet of the Apes. Okay, so why are you starting me off at like the first? That's a great question. I will tell you. Okay. Initially, this is based all based from a book. Well, okay, I want to tell you this because I want, if you're walking into this movie, this movie came out in 2011. If you're going into the theaters right now, this is all the information you could have at your disposal to know what is this franchise, okay? Okay. It was based off a book, a French book by Pierre Boulet. Yeah, <laughs> sure. 1963 novel, La Planète des Singes, which is uh, literally adapted into The Planet of the Apes. Okay. Okay. I'm sure was, any French speakers. Yeah, you'll know. They yeah, knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you can skip that part. And it was a huge success commercially. The book was. So they adapted it pretty soon into the 1968 original movie that was written by Rod Sterling, who is the creator of The Twilight Zone. And he added in like the famous twist at the ending. Do you know anything about no. what this movie is? No. Should I not tell you this stuff? I don't know. Well, I'll tell you this. The movie we're watching right now is an, a complete reboot. Right. Made when? 2011. So maybe This I, is after the plaster debacle. <laughs> this is not the one that I was watching. Maybe. Okay. Here's what I'll do. Okay. I'm going to give you a brief outline of generally what this franchise is. And then I'll kind of go more into a deep dive because it's, I think, slightly interesting, but more funny what this franchise is. Because one summer I thought, you know, I should just buckle down and watch all of these. Because here's my relationship with it. I remember being a little kid and I think it was AMC before AMC like actually aired TV shows. They would just show old movies and then the making of features, right? Yeah. And I remember watching a documentary about the old Planet of the Apes movies from the 70s. And just thinking they were so interesting and being so fascinated with what this storyline is, I've always just loved a good series of movies. Yeah. A storyline. You that love a story arc. I, I love a franchise. I don't know why, but like several movies in a franchise, even shittier franchises, I am much more likely to watch them if there are multiple movies. Five movies in the original first run that started off with the 1968 movie. There's a Tim Burton reboot, which is, I think is what you caught a part of and inspired young Courtney. <laughs> and then there are these reboots. There's okay. a trilogy. So right? there's a lot of interest. Yeah. How I, do you, how could this not be somebody's favorite movie then? Because they're just frankly. Ridiculous. Not, the first one is iconic. The four sequels are varying degrees of quality from perfectly fine to absolute shit. The remake is a disaster in its own right, the the Tim Burton remake. And then these reboots are actually very good. Which we're going to watch. Yes. So why aren't we watching Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? Because that's the second one in this reboot series. Rise and then... Dawn. Dawn. Okay, that doesn't really make sense. No, the... the you should actually like flip those. Yeah, really, for but. sure. You see why well, I'd be confused. Well, that, that's actually another thing that I, is kind of funny about these titles is they the first movie planet of the apes they're like well what with the sequel what should we call it and the names are get kind of long and convoluted what's the most it's, ridiculous one actually tell me and tell me all the names and i'll tell you what the okay. most ridiculous is all right we've got planet of the apes fine beneath the planet of the apes <laughs> okay which they're still like well, we got to use the title in there somewhere for the branding <laughs> right escape from the planet of the apes okay 
Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> okay. Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Got it. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. War for the Planet of the Apes. Okay, I'm going to go with the dumbest. So two categories, dumbest, funniest. Okay. Dumbest, both Rise and Dawn. That was that was really stupid. You think those are the dumbest? No. It just doesn't make sense. That's what I'm saying. It's stupid. Why well, would those come in that order? The funniest is for sure beneath the Planet of the Apes. I think Conquest of the Planet of the Apes is the stupidest one. <laughs> They're all bizarre. Look, Rise of the Planet of the Apes is a perfectly good title at the time. They shouldn't have named the second one Dawn. Yeah, fine. Okay. What's the best one? Probably just Planet of the Apes. That's actually, it's a good, that is a good title by itself. I think Escape from the Planet of the Apes is a, is a good yeah. title. Anyway, okay, so you don't know anything about what their story is. I don't know what I'm getting is. into. Okay, I'll tell you after the whole deal with them because what the storyline is in those other movies informs what this storyline is. Yeah, So okay. yeah, I'll kind of see. Have a lot of people seen these? The ones we're watching? Yes. They're popular. Yeah, yeah, they're actually really popular. How do they do on Rotten Tomatoes? They all have, I think this first one has the lowest, and I think it's like high 80s. They're all in the 80s or 90s, and they all made quite a bit of money. Are they all the same story, or are they, like, are they genuine reboots? It's a genuine reboot. Well, what do you mean by reboot? There's a remake, which is you remake okay. the story. This isn't a remake. The Tim Burton one is probably more, could be argued to be more of a remake. But this is taking a general concept within those early films and then is completely retooling it, Got and, it. and updating it. But it's, it's still... It's hard for me to explain this without telling you what it is. But it's still... I feel like... I feel like... We're playing I Spy, and you know what it is, and I'm just trying to ask questions to figure it out. Is it the same? So when we start the movie, is it going to be like everyone in the movie is figuring it out the same time that we are, what's going on? Or is it going to be like me going into The Force Awakens? Okay, we've been in this for six movies. No, not at all. Okay. Because, I mean, that first movie came out in 68, the last of those original movies was 1973. Okay? okay. And then the Tim Burton one was 2001. So if you're writing a Planet of the Apes movie in 2011, you maybe are hoping that people generally are aware of what the what the idea of this is, but you are writing this for a new audience. Okay. You can go into this movie having never heard of any of those movies, and this will make perfect sense. It is written for that person. Great. That's me. Okay, now I'm kind of excited. This is probably a dumb question, but I ask it every time. Why have you not seen these movies? There are like a ton of movies. I would put Star Wars, all the Marvel movies, Planet of the Apes, mm -hmm. Star Trek. I would put all of those in a category of like, my brothers liked those, I'm not going to like them. I, that sounds stupid, but that's that was my life for so long until I met you. Well, that do your brothers <laughs> like these movies? They were watching them. Oh, sure. They're they're just like what I deemed boy movies. You know what I'm saying? As like a young person, they were just I was like, oh, I'm not gonna like those. See, on I was a I was also kind of a snob about these movies because I would say those early Planet of the Apes movies are a lot more lower budget and definitely like campier 60s, 70s sci-fi. Yeah, that's another thing. Like I don't think I think I'll probably like this movie. How you've told, like, how you reacted to it. I usually 
can find. That sounds like, oh, you like to swallow like it. That's not what I mean. Oh. But you've, <laughs> you've, like, the way that you've described them and you liking them, I think I'm going to like them. But I don't think that if I watched the 1970s version of these oh. movies, I think I would hate them. You would hate them yeah. so much. I even think I would hate the early 2000s ones. Here's the thing. I think you would still hate that one. I enjoyed part of that because it is pretty bad. But I don't feel like you you really enjoy bad movies. I don't. Like ones that are like, man, this movie sucks. Like very campy. Yeah. No, I don't like those. Yeah, you don't get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And I don't like I don't like weird sci-fi. I don't like sci-fi usually, but I don't like weird sci-fi especially. I think these newer ones are the best kind of what science fiction was originally supposed to do. Draw on themes that were affecting us in real, like grounded real life in a very like high concept allegorical way. Okay. I did want to ask you, what do you think this movie is about? <laughs> uh, I think it's about apes taking over Earth, specifically America. Earlier you asked if they were aliens. Yeah, I think they might be aliens, but they're apes. And there's a lot of um, race. There's like a race war maybe against each other. Okay. Bad news all around. (laughs) (laughs) You're looking at me like you want a specific answer. No, I don't. Oh, okay. This is great for you. I want you to go. Yeah. I I don't know where this takes place. I think it's on the ape planet. But I don't know. It could be America as well. America could be the ape planet. <gasps> I don't know. I don't know. I forgot to do this for Contagion, but it's the same year. So. Oh. The year is 2011. The top song is Rolling in the Deep by Adele. There's a fire starting in my All right. A couple 2011 events to really put you, to really place you back. Where were you in in 2011? Uh, When this movie came out, I was getting ready to go on a Washington, D.C. internship. Oh, I was a freshman in college. Prince William married Kate Middleton this spring. Apple is going to release the iPhone iPhone 4S and Steve Jobs will be dying soon. (gasps) Oof. Occupy Wall Street is about to start in September. Okay. I was there in D.C. when all that was happening. Wow. Go on. That's basically it. We didn't really see much, except at one point we were in uh, the Senate Hart Building, which is the ugliest of the, all the congressional buildings. And there was a group of like 20 people who occupied the building. <laughs> they just sat down in the atrium. Well, it's more than we could have today. Yeah. I, you're right. No <laughs> revolutions this year. <laughs> no. We're staying away from each other. Um, the last fact I saw that I thought was funny that was even included on a website of 2011 historical news. Charlie Sheen was fired from Two and a Half Men this year. <laughs> so, Sad. Pour one out for Chuck. Men, 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 men. Okay. Do you know what's funny is that's not the first time we've done that. <laughs> we do that a lot. We don't do it a lot. We we've don't do it, it every we've day. Done it like twice ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. What, what did you have? Anything else you're gonna say? I just thought I just think it would be fun and sort of uplifting since every day is hard for everyone probably listening to this podcast. Uh huh. Um, I think it would be fun to talk about. 
the first thing we're going to do when we come out of quarantine. Mm, what, is, what is the first thing you're going to do? I'm going to go to Fashion Place Mall. I'm going to go to Sephora. Yep. I'm going to buy something. And then I'm just going to wander Target aimlessly with a Diet Coke in my hand. Mm. What are you going to do when you get out of quarantine? I will probably watch a movie. <laughs> knowing that I have the option to go outside. Yeah. If I wanted to. Well, you'll go to Taco Bell probably. Oh. Yeah. 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 You go to the mall. <laughs> I'm going to go get my usual Taco Bell run. Yeah, which you're is get shit-faced at Taco Bell. Three cheesy bean and rice burritos. <laughs> yeah. One five-layer cheesy burrito. And then I always throw in like a fifth item that's kind of like a wild card. And in my eating order, I place it in the middle so that it's never like, you don't like want to have that to be the last thing you eat. Sure. I know. We're going to have a, we're going to have a nice day apart. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's the first thing we're going to do. Well, we spend our, we spend our Saturdays apart. I always tell people that. Yeah. And people are always like. I had someone, I was telling somebody's mom, one of my friend's moms the other day, I was like, Jason and I, we just, we usually spend Saturdays apart. I run errands and he stays home and it's his day off. She's yeah. like, well, don't you give him chores to do? Oh my gosh. I'm like, no, he can do his own stuff. God, what a weird thing to... <laughs> That's so funny. Man. Anyway, I'm really excited to get out of quarantine. We've been here for a week. I just think it's nice to talk about... While we're all going through the same thing. Yeah. It depresses me every day. Yeah. So it's nice to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. We're going to go watch Planet of the Apes. Someone someone actually asked us if we actually do pause this and go watch the movie. Oh, yeah. We always do. We genuinely do. Well, no, we do this before we watch the movie. It'd be really weird if we were just pretending. I don't think I could do it. (laughs) No. I could not fake it. Yeah. Or having already seen the movie. No, you definitely couldn't. Okay. Okay, we're going to go watch the... I almost called it a film. It's that too. It is. We're going to go watch it. Men, 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 men. I'll be honest, I don't know how that tune goes. We're back. We are. Courtney. Yes. What did you think of that movie? I was locked in you're kidding me oh no, i loved it <laughs> I, if, I wasn't, if i wasn't so tired i could have gone another like 30 minutes probably i was like oh it's over <laughs> i loved it what do you think i was gonna say oh my gosh well, so this kind of reminds me of one time last summer I showed Courtney Interstellar. We started it at like 10 p.m. and it's a go it's like a two and a half to almost three hour long movie. Very hard sci-fi. Emphasis on the science, right? Yeah. And it was late. The sound mixing is a little weird on our TV sometimes, so it was hard to hear the dialogue over the very loud music. I and also the... have a bad ear, you can say it. Yep, Courtney's got a bum ear. <laughs> and it was going well into the night where Courtney famously likes to nod off sometimes <laughs> in movies if it's really late. I was just like, this is a recipe for disaster. She must be hating this. What did you think of Interstellar? I loved it. I was nervous 
that you might not be, uh, you might not really care what the story was going on, especially toward the end when it was all on the Golden State Bridge, that whole Golden sequence. Golden Gate Bridge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you want to redo that? No, no, oh, I stand, keep I stand Golden by State that. Bridge? Yeah, it's not not true. California's a Golden State. It is Golden State Warriors. Go Warriors! Steph Curry, woo! That would actually make you think that we were into sports. Yeah. Or, or would it? Or would it <laughs> no. be the opposite? <laughs> Go Steph Curry! It's my boy! It's my boy! I do okay. like Steph Curry, though. I was worried you were... I had lost you a little bit. I will admit, at that part, at that point, you had. Because it was a <laughs> lot of action. I did kind of... I was like, oh, I'm getting tired. Because when it's too jumbly action, I just... I do not even care. Well, and which I've learned most people don't do the same thing. I'm not weird for that. It's not that I just don't like action. It's like when it's actually the reason why I even thought of it because some of that action gets kind of samey to me. I personally love action, right? Yeah. But that's why I even thought that was because I would if I was thinking like, man, this sequence is going kind of long. Uh-huh. And then I thought, I wonder what, how Courtney's doing with this. <laughs> and you're kind of tossing and turning a bit. Probably because you were tired. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I was doing that because I was trying to stay awake. Although I will say the moment that was actually I really liked in that whole sequence on the bridge was when they pushed the bus over and drug it over. And then it was like the culmination of all yeah. of their planning because that was really clever and well executed. Yeah. So I actually was kind of back in in that moment. Did they put the bus there? The, I think the bus had already, was already stopped there, but they tipped oh. it over and just pushed it to them. Up to like the barricade so they couldn't see where all the apes were. Yeah. And then they kind of all ambushed them from all around. Yeah. And he, Caesar was like laying down on the horse so you couldn't see him. Then he pops up the, onto the horse. That was the best part. The, Caesar riding the horse. Wow. <laughs> that was so cool. I am. Wow. Okay. So. What, I mean, it was crazy. The was, whole movie was nuts. Was any of the movie stupid? Yeah. In a way that you were like, this is dumb. I don't like this. No, because I had some buy-in somehow. I bought into it. I think I bought into it because I went went in thinking like, this is going to be dumb. Not dumb, but just like, I (laughs) thought they might be aliens. So, (laughs) I mean, like, it was better than that. Were you surprised at how grounded it was? Yes. So, that's funny that you say that because actually the first time I saw this, I don't think I'd seen a single Planet of the Apes movie all the way through. And I had no intention of ever watching this. I watched it a couple years after it came out on a date. On paper, everything that happens in that movie should be pretty boring. Yeah. Or just kind of stupid. And it is. it honestly is kind of weird that it actually is very interesting. You buy into it at the beginning because it's so emotional. I think that was even part of my pitch to you about these movies. You saw, you're completely in the camp of a digitally created animal. <laughs> yeah. Which that was the worst, that was kind of like the worst part was how dumb they look. Well, okay. The CGI is pretty wonky in this one. There's a couple of shots that look good. Yeah. There was one shot of the the orangutan that I was like, I can't tell if they're, if that's real. I'm telling you, when we watch the next two, they look incredible. Really? I... Caesar comes back and he looks... I'm just, I'm telling you the effects on them. There were moments... And at least in the, I remember in the third one that came out in 2017, I remember sitting in the theater thinking, I cannot believe I'm looking at a digital recreation right now. Wow. So can I tell you a little bit about the other movies now? Yeah. What I didn't want to tell you before was 
the first movie is set in the future and there's kind of nods to it in this movie. Do you remember the sequence, the part where it's like some astronauts are going to Mars and now there's a newspaper headline that says lost in space? Yes. So Charlton Heston plays an astronaut who gets stranded on a planet. They like, he and two other astronauts crash on a planet. They wake up from this hyperspace and they're like, where are we? Because they're like, I don't recognize this planet at all. You come to find out there's like the planet is controlled by apes who speak and they're like a civilized society and the humans are the ones that are like yeah, animals and they can't talk. The big twist at the end is that they've realized that that planet is Earth. But the entire time in the movie, the first time through, you're thinking they've landed on this weird, bizarro planet that's that, ruled by apes. I wonder if that's somebody, probably you, honestly, has told me that in the past and I kind of forgot it. But then I somehow in, had in my mind that they were aliens. <laughs> oh, you sh- you've shown me this. It's Charlton Heston. He has a girl with him on the back who can't speak. He's riding up the beach because they know that they'll find answers past this beach. Oh, and Caesar in the movie had the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, oh, you caught that. Oh, my God. I'm back. I'm home. All the time. Finally, really did it. You maniacs! You blew it up! Oh, damn you! God damn you all to hell! <laughs> and it's Lady Liberty. So that's, that is a very iconic shot. This is what we were talking about. What? You showed me this. At some point, yeah, and I told you that any sort of like large statue <laughs> scares me. No, we were watching. You showed me Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah, because of this, and I was like, let me sh-, like when I was in sixth grade, I watched Jason and the Argonauts, <laughs> That's right. and I was like, there's this because there's this huge statue. I've seen it, yeah, and it scares it scares me every time I see so it. So does the Statue of Liberty in general t- scare you? Yeah, it's just huge. <laughs> Well, then this is, so this is earlier on when they first land. I, I've shown you this too, but I just, Charlton Heston's laugh isn't, so when I, <laughs> yeah. when I watched this by myself, when I watched all five of them one summer, like five years ago, I could not stop laughing. I was just by myself and I rewatched this like three times. I can't remember what he's doing. They thought they've just landed on a weird planet and the guy's putting up a little American flag. So oh, he's laughing yeah. like, what, no one's going to know what this means. We're not, we can't claim this planet for America. <laughs> But so he just laughs like an insane man, and then the camera zooms past him into the sun. Come up. <laughs> anyway. That's not even the end of the movie, is it? No, that scene is just, that's in the first 10 minutes. Oh, okay. Wow. This is from the time in uh, movie making when good acting was just yelling. <laughs> Because that's a lot of Charlton Heston. Well, so that first one was a massive success. It made $33 million against a $6 million budget, right? So they just kind of peddled like four sequels right in a row. The next one, I don't even get into really what they're about, but the next one has to deal with like some mutant humans. And at the end, there's like a nuclear explosion. It gets rid of the world. Okay. But it made a lot of money, so they're like, we need to make another movie. <laughs> Apparently, I, I wrote this down. They called up one of the screenwriters and they said... Apes exist, sequel required. That was the only thing that was the mandate from the studio. <laughs> so they wrote a story where there's like two apes that are sympathetic to Charlton Heston. 
those two apes are sent back in time to the 70s. And so the third movie, which actually is kind of okay, is them in the 70s being treated like celebrities amongst the world. And then it ends with them having a baby and the humans end up killing their baby because they're worried that this future is going to happen. And then four and five is their baby and ends up This sounds growing. insane. Yeah. So the movie you saw is actually more of a remake of like three, four, and five. Okay. They're insane, but they, yeah. So they spawned four sequels, two TV series, books, comic books. It was like, I cannot believe that this became a franchise, like a multimedia franchise. <laughs> this was funny too, I thought. They were trying to remake it all throughout the 80s and 90s because it kind of just died off, but people just still really like Planet of the Apes. I remember reading about how in the 40s and 50s, there was a study done where movies that had primates in them grossed more money. And so <laughs> studio executives were always trying to push apes into things. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but also, like, do you kind of have, like, weird idea, like weird memories of that? Yes. When, like, an ape would show up in something and yeah. you'd be like... They're all over in comics. In, like, Because I used to read these old Spider-Man comics from the 60s and 70s, like... There's just, there's villains that are just smart apes. Yeah. There's just, there's monkeys in stuff. Something that, what, wait, which decades were those? Uh, 60s and the 70s. Well, but I don't, but the, what the TV, when the TV produced, like when that was yeah. like a, a thought. I actually don't know what decade that was. Oh. I wish I remembered more details about that, but. It's like a funny gag too. I specifically, I, I'm thinking of Rocket Man when the ape like takes, he's smarter than the guy. And he takes over his, like, I don't know, refrigerator bed. What are those called? Like, they'll just, like, appear and they're always that same. They're just in and movies kind of like goofing he, around. Yeah, but, like, sometimes, like, smarter or, like, evil. Yeah. That's so weird. I've, I've never thought about that until now. <laughs> I know. It's really just weird. Just being like, oh, okay. So they kept trying to remake this, fran- like, bring back this franchise to life in the 80s and 90s. Arnold Schwarzenegger was attached for a long time. Like, Oliver Stone... Took a crack at it. James Cameron was going to until <laughs> Titanic was huge. He's like, I can't make an ape movie. I have to make Titanic. The closest it got to was a point in the 90s. Um, but the screenwriter was fired because one of the studio executives had an idea. He insisted that the script include a comic scene involving apes playing baseball as his stamp on the film. <laughs> and the writer refused to put it in, so he was fired, which kind of... Caused a domino effect of everyone else quitting. Finally, Tim Burton. I wish we had that movie so much. <laughs> I can't tell you how many how many crazy movies that weren't made. I wish I could see. <laughs> so finally, Tim Burton is such a hot commodity in the mid '90s, mid to late '90s, and he finally got the shot to remake Planet of the Apes. So he did with Mark Wahlberg, mm-hmm. and it's not very good. I've actually never seen it all the way through, even though I own it and tried watching it as a part of my marathon. I fell asleep and I never wanted to finish it. It made a lot of money, but they never made a sequel because people just panned it. They also tried to have a twist ending to it. It follows the same premise of Mark Wahlberg landing on a planet ruled by apes. But in this one, it ends with Mark Wahlberg getting in the, like a chip back to Earth. But when he gets back to Earth, he realizes that the, the villain, the ape villain got back to Earth before him and colonized Earth. So when he shows up, he's on the step of, steps of the Lincoln Memorial. And he runs up the steps and he looks up and Abe Lincoln 
is on the an chair, ape. has an ape face. Oh my gosh, I knew all of this. They call it Ape Lincoln. <laughs> and all these cops show up and they're all apes. And yeah. that's the twist ending yeah. that ends that. I knew all of this. You've, you've shown me that too. Did I show you that? You did. It's insane. They kept trying to get Tim Burton back. When asked if he wanted to come back, he said, I'd rather jump out a window. <laughs> Probably the saddest thing from that movie is Tim Roth, who I'm not... He's he's in a couple of Tarantino movies, but I don't know if you... He's he's the guy in the diner in Pulp Fiction. The okay. husband. That, yeah. Tim Roth is the villain. The villain ape in Planet of the Apes. Okay. He, the Mark Wahlberg one. Yes. Yeah. He chose that movie because he was already signed on over a different starter to another franchise that the creators wanted him specifically for a role. Do you want to know what movie franchise that was? Lord of the Rings. J.K. Rowling wanted him to be Severus Snape in the Harry Potter films. Wow, that is But he so could not be in it because of scheduling conflicts with Planet of the Apes. Oh, can you... Oh, oh. And it's one of those funny things where, at the time, that would be the better decision. Sure, this book series about wizards and whatever. You Or Tim Burton, at 90s Tim Burton, remaking Planet of the Apes. <laughs> yeah. He, so they wanted to do something like they wanted to still do that. I just can't believe that this property keeps being revived over time. Like I just it's weird that people have this interest in it. So in 2006, Rick Jaffa got us an idea based off of looking at like pet chimpanzees uh, that become troublesome and then have to be removed from the house and how like people are affected by that. And that's kind of where he got the idea reboot of this whole Planet of the Apes. So he, 20th Century Fox owned the rights. Planet of the Apes. And so he pitched him on that idea. And I guess this answers our question from earlier. He called it a reinvention. It, when asked if it was a different, what, if this was like a reboot or a prequel. And he's like, it's a different story of who Caesar is. Because Caesar is also the, the ape who Caesar, started yeah. the uprising. And so that's kind of how this idea came about to even make this movie. A couple people popped up in the movie yeah. that you reacted to. Uh-huh. James Franco was one yeah, of them. Yeah, I didn't know he was in it. I would say James Franco. Peak James Franco. You know what? And he's... He he's pretty good in this, actually. Like yeah. sometimes he's hit and miss, but I actually really liked him in this. Yeah, he's likable. He was cast after talks with Tobey Maguire broke down. Shia LaBeouf was also considered to play the role. I would have loved that. He, you know, actually, that probably would have been okay. You also reacted when Draco Malfoy. <laughs> oh, give it here, Malfoy! Or I'll knock you off your broom. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he shows up. Yeah, that was weird. He's just a piece of shit. He's just a squirrely... He plays the same character that, like, he... he. Do you think he's typecast a lot? I, I don't just really... Just squirrely little weasel. Yeah, I feel kind of feel bad for him because I don't really know what has happened to his career since then. Yeah. At one point, he has, like, a buddy and two girls and they're going around. <laughs> what girl would be impressed by a guy's dad's ape house? <laughs> Because the girls are like, wow, this is pretty cool. Wow, it's like you well, got your own zoo. Well, I will say. Okay. Um, okay, well, would you have reacted that I way? I was thinking. If someone if had somebody taken you t- to their ape house? Yeah, like if it was like somebody who was like, I really care for these monkeys. I would have been like, that's really cool. Oh, so you think that was the pitch he used? Yes, and in the thing, he kind of starts out that way. He's like, oh, yeah, we do this and this and this. And mm. he's like kind of softer. And then they're only scared when he, they're like very into it. And they're only scared when he takes out the electric taser. I guess that's true. And then and they're like, what the hell? 
How old did the apes look to you for the most part, though? The one that looked the most realistic was the orangutan. Uh, do you want me to tell you a bit about how they made those? I do. Those monkeys? Sorry, apes. I'm not actually not no really flower, sure. What the no flower is. paste. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it's all makeup work in all the other Planet of the Apes movies. Yeah. In fact, actually, the makeup work in the Tim Burton one is really impressive because the ones from the '70s are great for the time, right? But sure. now, just pretty bad. Yeah. Um. So at one point, they considered using actors or like using prosthetics uh and then they actually considered using actual apes like they were just kind of like what are our different options for how we're going to portray these apes weta digital who also did work on lord of the rings uh, they created apes digitally in almost every case through performance capture so that's why they brought in andy circus who is like the king of mocap motion capture performance got it Uh, advances had been made in the technology that allowed the performance capture in an exterior environment. So this was one of the first movies to use motion capture in an on-location setting. So up until that point, you'd have to build like a special set. Oh. To like have, because you, like when he played Gollum, he was obviously there interacting with the actors, but they had like a special set that had to be built for him. Uh, the main breakthrough for this movie was they had a camera that allowed motion capture dots to work in the daylight, oh. which they used especially for the Golden Great Bridge battle. And anytime there's like natural lighting, that is completely new. I just kind of thought this was interesting too. So kind of how they built the digital apes was they'd have a lot of actors playing, interacting with the other actors while they were wearing the motion capture suits. Then the digital apes were created as like detailed models where they had skeletons, muscles, nerve tissues layered for accurate animation. Uh, They used cast models of apes' heads and limbs to help the texture department replicate skin details such as wrinkles and pores. Because there were some close-ups of Caesar that just looked incredible. Hmm. And they will look even better in the sequels. It's crazy. Given the difference between human and chimpanzee facial, facial muscles... The animators tweaked the performance through a new facial muscle system, adding dynamics, ballistics, and secondary motion. As the silent performance required expressive eyes, a new eye model was made to to depict both greater accuracy in muscle movement in and around the eyes, and also tears, pupil dilation, and light refraction. Because there's a lot of close-ups on Caesar's eyes. Mm -hmm. All of them. So much of that movie, you kind of don't realize it, is all done silently while you're just watching apes interact. Yeah. In kind of like a prison yard setting. <laughs> yeah. Andy Serkis was the primary performer for Caesar. Oh, as he the, was the primary primate? He was the primary ape? He was the, the primate? Uh, they filmed in Vancouver in British Columbia. They also filmed in San Francisco, the primary setting of the movie, and around Oahu, Hawaii, which doubled for the African jungle at the beginning of the film because they didn't have the budget to actually go to Africa. This movie was pretty well received, which I was always surprised by. I remember when they were, I saw trailers for this. I I remember it really focuses on James Franco and overcoming Alzheimer's and then kind of surprises you that this ends up like in the trailer, right? Then the reveal is like, oh, this is a surprise prequel to Planet of the Apes. I was like, why are they doing this? Are they out of they're out of ideas. Like, and then it became the fourth highest grossing August opening ever up to that point. Wow. It grossed $481 million against a $93 million budget. Whoa. It has an 82% Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars and praised the role of Caesar and Andy Serkis by stating, it was a wonderfully executed character and one never knows exactly where the human ends and the effects begin, but Serkis and or Caesar gives the best performance in the movie. 
I was waiting for it to be more apocalyptic type of feel. That's kind of the reason why we even watched these movies, why we picked these because we are also in an apocalypse. That's true. Well, I even I almost I've only I've watched this movie a couple of times and I forget almost every single time. I always remember that it's about like the apes uprising, right? But I always forget there's the virus that spreads at the end of the movie. It's that piece of shit neighbor who ends up spreading it. Oh my gosh, he's everywhere. Gets sneezed on, and then he's a pilot and goes and spreads it everywhere. So the other lab member gets infected. When he's just talking to James Franco and he sneezes, Yeah. and then his clipboard just has blood on it. Were any of these kind of weirdly triggering? Yeah. It didn't really register when I watched these, when I've seen this movie before, that they're working with a virus in the way that it really stuck in my craw this time. The airports, the spreading, the end. Yeah. So there are a couple little nods to the first Planet of the Apes, which you wouldn't have caught because you haven't seen it. Although you did catch... Yeah, the, the Statue of Liberty. In the original Planet of the Apes, Charlton Heston accidentally gets like knocked and he's he's mute for a while, a large portion of the movie. And he is also kept in captivity and sprayed with a hose. Oh. The first line that he speaks that really shocks all of the apes in the movie is these apes capture him and he says... Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Oh. Which is what Tom Felton says, right? Right yeah. before Caesar yells no. Take your stinking paw off me, you damn dirty ape. No! That part really got me. Because I just kept waiting for them to talk. I knew it was coming. Oh, really? Yeah. I was kind of nervous that that when he finally stands up and yells no. That I was going to be like, I'm checked. I'm done. Yes. Because I feel like that has so much potential to be so stupid. Yeah. If you weren't emotionally attached to the animal. Was it just whatever? Or did you actually think it was a good moment? I thought it was a good moment, especially because he doesn't say a full sentence. He just says no. And it still sounds. It sounds kind of like a roar. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, not like he's like speaking in a British accent, you know, <laughs> right. quoting Shakespeare. Yeah. So it wasn't weird. Okay. It was like, oh, he's adapting. And I already know that this improves the brain. At the end, when he says, Caesar, I'm sorry. This is my fault. This has to stop. Please come home. Caesar is home. They've really just got the, it's all the voice down that sounds not stupid. Yeah. I like that too. I also didn't mind that the other orangutan could Oh, sign to him? I like that they used that. There were so many just eerie shots of Caesar just looking around and thinking. Yeah. When Brian Cox, that's the guy who plays the owner of the ape house, when he goes to leave and just looks over and they're all standing and talking like they're at a town hall meeting. Yeah. There's also some really good shots of all the apes kind of going through the city like when they're going through the suburbs and all like the tree, the leaves that are was falling. Great, yeah. And just some great overhead shots where you just see so many freaking animals. Yeah. Terrifying. It, remi- it reminded me of that video we saw. The rival gang monkeys <laughs> yeah. overrunning, uh, was it the Disney Th- World? No, it's in Thailand. You seen that meme that's like, I will admit I did not have rival gang monkeys on my <laughs> <laughs> coronavirus bingo board. <laughs> Just one more thing is they had this listed on interesting trivia on IMDb. John Lithgow was in a movie about a giant ape, Harry and the Hendersons. (laughs) Okay, I have a question. Yeah. Ape equals all of them. If you're a monkey, you're also an ape. If you're an orangutan, you're an ape. 
I think monkeys and apes are different. But what is an ape? You're asking the wrong person. So primate is both a monkey and an ape. Sure. Monkey is not an ape and an ape is not a monkey. Sure. Can I tell you a stray thought I had? Yeah. Monkeys are so bouncy. <laughs> when Caesar, That's true. When Caesar's just bounding around the house in that one long take, wouldn't that be so fun to do that? Yeah. Or when they're on the Golden Gate Bridge and they're just swinging from underneath yeah so confidently and fast yeah um another question i had was why did it take um james franco five years to tell his girlfriend about alz 112 i thought that too when they pull up in front of the house and he's explaining it to caesar and she's like what yeah the camera's what did you think he did (laughs) how did you think he taught a monkey sign language he works at like a scientific facility (laughs) works with primates and he has one at home who wears clothes. She is also, her. that's her field. She should know. Yeah. She should be really like. I know, that part was how, dumb. How is, how is your ape so intelligent? Also. I mean, she was just kind of a whatever character. Yeah, she didn't have, she was have much character throwing. development. Do you like the part where he drew the window in chalk? Yeah, and then I saw that again. Like the, like it's like graffiti, like his symbol. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do we have any thoughts? more thoughts about this movie? Well, you asked me to rate it. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, rate it out of four. I would give it two out of four. Okay. You set. You used the word loved when you said I loved it. I can it. love something that's two stars. Hmm. It's not a three. Was it? Okay. <laughs> was it better than you thought it would be? 100%. It was great. Do you think it's like, would you recommend this, someone in self-isolation to watch this? Yeah, I would. It's a good quarantine one, isn't it? It is, because... Well, so much of the movie... And I probably didn't really... This probably didn't resonate with me before any of the other times watching it, but so much of the movie is about being locked up. I know. (laughs) And I thought it, like, helped me, like, my own humanity. Like, it it helped me feel for, like, (laughs) the ape. Yeah. Where I'm just like, oh, I know how you feel, buddy. (laughs) That's that's the amazing thing that all these movies do, is that you're just kind of like... I completely know where Caesar's coming from. Yeah. Because he's just trying to protect his family and then gets locked up for... It's so confusing to him. He can't understand why it's going on. Yeah. And he like... And he's so smart that he's realizing we don't need to be subjugated like this. Like the part where he... I like the passing of time. I like the way that they did that where he's just climbing. Oh, that's a great through sequence. Through the weather. Yeah. And then at the, at the top, he looks very distressed he's like figuring stuff out yeah he doesn't want to sit in the back anymore because nobody else has to sit in the back he's just kind of getting tired of everything yeah he also i feel like has a moral code so when he's in charge he keeps telling ape lieutenants like don't kill yeah he doesn't like killing even when uh james franco's boss is hanging from the helicopter he kind of lets koba just koba's finish nuts. him off do you know apparently um he's based off a type of uh, ape that actually is very docile. Oh, really? Yeah, that has like kind of a, a darker face that way. He is terrifying. Well, so I was just reading about this. It's supposed to be implied that he's had been a lot of experiments done on him. And oh. like that's why he's so aggressive that way. Yeah, his like ears were like broken. And yeah. His eye, his one eye was blind. He's actually in the sequel. I'm excited. Any more thoughts? No, I'm done with that. We thoughts. liked the movie. Yes, two stars. Great job, Rupert Wyatt, for making this engaging enough and executing well enough that Courtney loved this movie. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find us if they want to reach the podcast? 
Uh, you can find us on Instagram at wife watches. You can find us on Twitter at wife underscore watches. Note the underscore. Yep. Or you can, you can write us an email at my wife watches movies at gmail.com. I almost said Yahoo. Oh. Imagine that. I look down. You're using a fork backwards. <laughs> Um, I think those are all of our handles. Write us a review. Leave us, leave us a review. Write us, write us a review. Leave us a rating. Rate us. <laughs> oh. I, my brain is fried today. You're also in a bathrobe like John Lithgow's character. <laughs> I am. It was cold. Let's get out of here. All right. We'll watch you later. Watch you later. And remember, Cecil is home. look at you when I do this. And remember, Cecil is Cecil Cecil I cannot I can't do that. Cecil 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 is home.